0: God today. So uh, that starts next week. Hopefully you'll join me. So here's the question I want to ask this morning. And I'm going to ask you to answer the question totally honestly. You don't have to answer it out loud. You're not going to have to write it down. You don't have to text it in. It's not going to show up on the screen. So you can just know this is an internal answer. So be as honest as you can. What do you want most in 2022? It's the one thing, the one thing that you want more than anything else in the coming year. I'm not asking you about your one word. We'll talk about the one word a little bit near the end of the message. But what is the one thing that you want most in 2022? I asked a question on Facebook. I think it's Thursday that I posted it. It was actually really fun to read through all of your responses. Some of them quite serious. Some of them kind of funny. Um, But we heard uh, somebody said, I want focus. Uh, Somebody said, I want people to keep their opinions to themselves. (laughs) Uh, Balance. Came up for the Tigers to win the pennant. Uh, Truth to prevail. uh, That coronavirus would go back to just being a beer. That was one of my favorites. Revival transformation, a lot of people said peace, a lot of people said physical health, uh, no more masks, the things themed around Corona was, was pretty big, no more masks, uh, that the church would be one, and my conversations with some of you as I asked the same questions, uh, a lot of people talk to me about finances, I want financial freedom, was one of the things I heard, uh, one person even said I want a large vacation home on Lake Michigan where I can share it with my friends and family. At least they're specific, right? All kinds of responses. I have my own responses. If, if you think about what I want to happen in 2022, I want my marriage to get stronger and, and better. Uh, I want to do a better job with our family finances. I want to have a great vacation this summer with my kids and grandkids and my wife, of course. I love our summer vacations. Uh, I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to get in better shape. I want to go to Colorado in September and hang out in the mountains with my bow and arrow, which I'm planning to do. Looking forward to that. I want the church to be full again. Uh, I want you and uh, the church to be engaged in what God is doing. Um, I have a whole lot of wants, right, that are out there. But the question I'm asking, listen to the question one more time. What is the one thing What's the one thing that you want in 2022? Meg and I were talking about this, and she said something that resonated with me. She said, I know what the right answer is. I'm just not sure I'm being honest if I say it. I don't know if you can relate to that, but I can. Right, and the deal is we, we have a whole list of things we want, and that's a good thing. Like it's okay for you to set goals. It's okay for you to say, "I want these things to happen in the next year. I want to be more, you know, more financially responsible." Those are all good things, and it's okay to to set goals and it's okay to make plans. It's okay to figure out how to do it. I, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to sit down. I encourage everybody on my staff every year sit down at the beginning of the year, at the end of the year, and just say, what do you want to accomplish? How many books do you want to read? All those are, are good things. But I'm not asking what what are all the things you want to do. It's what's the one thing, and this is what I want you to hear this morning. And just listen to this. If the one thing, listen, if the one thing is not the right thing, then all the other things are going to come up empty. Let me say it again. If the one thing is not the right thing, then all the other things are going to come up empty. Grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew, book of Matthew chapter 13. And uh, we're going to see what the one thing that we should all desire actually is. This is a Uh, one chapter where Jesus tells tells six different parables, six different stories, and all of the stories are his description of what the kingdom of heaven is like, what the kingdom of heaven uh, will be like for for his disciples, how they should begin to understand it. Six stories in a row telling them this is what the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same thing when you use those. You can use them interchangeably, but Jesus is teaching on the kingdom of God. Actually, this is the subject that Jesus talked about more than any other subject. It's really the theme of his teaching when he was walking the earth. He said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? He's, he's saying it's it's within your grasp. It's here. It's now. The kingdom of heaven is is right in front of us, and we are invited to participate. Don't miss this. We are invited to participate in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom. Of Heaven, we are invited to experience the Kingdom of God. the kingdom of God kingdom of heaven is god 's reign and rule over all things. The kingdom of heaven coming is about God putting everything that was broken in the garden or beginning the process I should say of, of putting everything that was broken in the garden back together again it 's kind of summarized in Colossians one twenty when it says that Jesus is reconciling all things. To himself. That is the process of the kingdom of God coming amongst us and being at hand. It's the new covenant that says that God will remove our heart of stone and replace it with a heart that's malleable, a heart that can be molded, a heart of flesh. That's all a part of the kingdom of God. And in these parables, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is right here, it's right now, it's waiting for you. And as you read these, he's telling us that this kingdom of heaven is more valuable than anything you can possibly imagine. So would you stand with me for just a moment as we read Matthew 13. I'm going to read verses 44 through 46. Again, Jesus is teaching his disciples and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has And buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Who finds one pearl of great value. And went and sold all that he had. And he bought it. Lord, I pray that in these next few minutes. That you would awaken our spirits. I pray that you would awaken our imagination. That we would see the value of the kingdom of heaven in a new way. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each person standing in this room, each person on this broadcast, that your Holy Spirit would speak a word to each one of them that would bring about life change. Lord, I pray that we would come to the place where the one thing is the right thing. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I can be seated. The kingdom of God is at hand. Right The Kingdom of God is within your grasp if you want it. These are what I would call priority parables. Jesus is telling us if we understood the value of the presence of God and the power of God in our lives or or if we truly understood the the, the glorious benefit of being totally surrendered to god or if we saw what it, what it really was, if we really could comprehend what it was, we would give anything and everything to possess it. The kingdom of God, the presence of God, I would say the person of Jesus is like a great treasure in a field. It's like a pearl, a valuable pearl, so valuable that the person who discovers it would sell all that they have to possess it. That pearl, to possess that treasure in the field. Look at verse 44 real quick. There's three little words that captured my imagination this week as I was studying, and, and it just, maybe they're words that I've overlooked in the past, but it says, then in his joy, right? He discovers the treasure in the field. It says, then in his joy, he sells everything. He doesn't just sell it out of, out of obligation, right? He's not saying, well, I guess I have to right? It's the whole point of this is it's not, it's not something we do because we have to do it. We don't do it begrudgingly, but in his joy, knowing how valuable it is, he doesn't take any hesitation to sell everything he has in order to possess this thing, which is the kingdom of God, the power of God, the presence of God, the person of Jesus, all out of pure joy, Let me ask you this question. When you thought about your list of what you want in 2022, is there anything on the list that you would sell everything you have for it to happen? What's the one thing that you want most in 2022? The parable that Jesus is telling us is that the answer should be more of Jesus right, more of his presence in our lives, more of, more of his power in our lives, more of the kingdom of God in our everyday lives. That we would be fully surrendered to his reign and his rule in our lives. That we would be fully used by God because of the power of God in our lives. But here's the problem. We, all of us, are broken people. Our wills are broken. Our longings are askew. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we discover that we're pretty fickle. Like we're easily distracted and we often chase things that aren't good for us. If when I asked the question more of Jesus wasn't your first response, I would say you are in Good company. Romans 3:10 says, "None is righteous, no not one. No one understands. Look at what it says: No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Isaiah 56 says, "All we like sheep have gone astray. Each has departed to his own way." In Kevin's sermon last week, if you were here, it was a brilliant sermon, but what he talked about is the good shepherd, but he talked about us as sheep. And what did he say he said sheep? are dumb, right? And he said, you're probably going to be offended by that, but, but it's true. Sheep are dumb. We, we know things that aren't good for us, yet we still gravitate towards those very things. We, we know that we are better off in the presence of the shepherd, but we'll wander away from the shepherd, right? We know what's good for us, yet we don't often do. We are prone to wander. Here's what I want you to hear. On your own, you're a mess, but the good news is you're not on your own. You have the Holy Spirit. You have a a good shepherd to guide you. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And the more you know the good shepherd, the more you understand all of the promises that come with the presence of Jesus in your life, the more joyfully you will give up everything for him. Now here's the deal. I am not a formula Kind of guy. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty skeptical whenever there's a formula. So if somebody gives me a book and it says the seven steps to blah, 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 I'm usually like, okay, whatever. I'm just telling you, that's how I am. Or if I hear a sermon about the four steps to yucky, yucky, yucka, I'm like, okay, not a formula sort of guy. But all that being said, I'm going to give you a formula. (laughs) Because it's right here. And as I was writing the passage down and looking at it, I was like, wow, this is like, the formula. So if you don't like formulas, take it up with God. It was his idea. Second Chronicles 7, 14. Many of you know this passage, but it says, it says, if my people, if my people, so there's like this, this conditional clause, if my people who are called by my name, just for the record, that's all of you. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will move on their behalf. Then I will show up. And here's the deal. This passage is written to a group of people. It is what I would call a corporate passage. But anytime you read a passage that's meant for a group of people, you can always apply it to the individual. As a matter of fact, it's never going to happen with the group of people if it doesn't happen to the individuals that make up the group of people. So you could read this. If I, who am called by God's name, humble myself and seek his face and turn from my wicked ways, right? You see what I'm saying? You can take a corporate passage and you can make it very personal. And this one applies to all of us. So here are the steps to more of Jesus. The first is an honest, prayerful, humble, personal assessment right? It requires humility. If my people would humble themselves, why do you have to humble yourself? Because we are prone to think we're okay. We're prone to think, well, I got this all figured out. When I asked the question, if you really have that sense, like Meg was being humble when she said, I think I know what the right answer, but I'm not sure I'm being honest if I say it, right? That's humility to say, man, I'm missing this in some places. Really, Pastor Doug, I'm not sure I really do want Jesus more than anything else. There's other things that are competing for this. That's the humble personal assessment. Like really ask yourself, is this, excuse me, what I want the most? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything in your life that offends God. Is there anything in your life that keeps you from having more of Jesus? Anything that that takes priority over your spending time with him? You know, any of those things that come to mind, they're all idols, right? If there's anything you're unwilling to relinquish, to have more of Jesus, it's an idol. And it could be a sin pattern. It could be pornography. It could be substance abuse. It could be cutting. It could be bitterness. It could be rage. There's a long list of what it could be. And if God is saying to you, I want you to stop, and you're saying, I'm not willing to stop, then it's an idol In your life, and it's keeping you from more of Jesus. Food can be an idol, time can be an idol, a person could be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, could be a spouse, your children can be an idol, sports, hobbies, social media. There's a long list of things that we can turn into idols. As a matter of fact, the scripture shows that God can give us good things. And we can turn those good things into idols in our lives. The need to be right can be an idol. The need to be vindicated can be an idol. If you are unwilling to forgive a person or a people group because they have not paid the price for their offense, then it's an idol. Let me say that again. If you are unwilling to forgive a person or a people group because they have not paid for their offense, then it is an idol in your life. Unforgiveness and bitterness is the most pervasive problem in the church, probably in our culture, in marriages. When I work with couples, unforgiveness is a cancer that is destroying relationships if that person hasn't said it the right way or done the right thing, I'm not going to forgive their offense. It's an idol. One of my life verses is Jonah 2:8. It says, "Those who cling to worthless idols forsake His loving devotion." I memorize this passage, "Those who cling to worthless idols, uh, those who cling to worthless idols, forsake the grace God has for them." Do you see what it's saying? When you have an idol, your hands are full. Right, you, When you cling to something other than God, then you don't have the opportunity to hold on to the person of God. Jesus himself is saying, here, take my hand. And you're saying, I can't because I got to hold on to this thing. When we hold on to anything other than Jesus, we miss out. The word says we forsake, we abandon, we say no thank you to his loving devotion. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It means you don't get to experience more of Jesus. And the truth is, unless you're willing to take that honest, prayerful assessment and to release the grip, you're just going to stay in the pattern. I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, for the last several weeks. Uh, For those who don't know, uh, Kevin was supposed to preach, and on Thursday, he actually came down with COVID. So, Uh, I got the call to be the step in. So you're getting what I've been thinking about for three weeks in a message, um, which is handy that I had something to say. But as I've been thinking about this, um, this has been my prayer. Jesus, I want to want you that way. I want to be able to say honestly that there is nothing more in my life that I want, not just in 2022, but in, in the years ahead, than to want more, Of Jesus? Would you help me to have that passion for more of Jesus? And as I've been praying that, the Holy Spirit has been asking me some questions, and they haven't always been easy questions, but I'm just going to tell you what the Holy Spirit has said, and maybe you can relate to these. The first question I heard was Are you willing to give up everything joyfully for it? I don't like the word everything. I'm willing to give up some things. Everything's pretty all-inclusive. The second question I've heard him say is, do you want more of Jesus or do you just want more ministry success? That one hurts a little bit. Like, is it really about what I can get from Jesus or do I just want more of Jesus? It's subtle, but it's there. I want it because I want to be seen I want it because I want success in this room, right? I want it because, and he said, no, do you want it? Simply because more of Jesus is what we want. And I've heard him say to me, do you want it enough to make time with me a priority? Are you going to let every distraction, every desire come along and compete with me? Jesus doesn't want our leftovers. He wants to be first in our lives. And here's how it plays out all too often. Well, if I have time this morning, I'll get to my devotional. If I have a little money left at the end of the month, then maybe I'll give some. If I don't have anything better to do, maybe I'll read my Bible. He doesn't want the leftovers. He wants everything. Everything. But if we knew, you get this church, if we knew the treasure that was Jesus, we would joyfully give up everything. The Apostle Paul got it when he wrote in Philippians, I count everything as loss for the sake of having Jesus. It don't matter. I will give everything for the sake of Jesus. If my people will humble themselves, Honestly, humbly pray that we might discover this desire that we all should have. The truth is, as I said, we're all prone to wander. We're all prone to get distracted. We're all fickle. But I want you to hear it one more time. You're not on your own. Ask the Holy Spirit, like light a fire of desire for more of Jesus in me. John 6, 44, Jesus is talking. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. You cannot make this happen. It is a spirit-infused process. Amen. But you can short-circuit it. You can say no. You can resist what the Spirit is doing in your life, you can say no when he asks you to give something up and hold on to that idol and forsake, all right, forsake the grace that God has for you. Ask the Holy Spirit to light a fire of desire. Show you the unspeakable riches. So first we start with this honest, prayerful, humble. Be humble enough to say, man, I I got some work to do here. And then turn towards Jesus. Second Chronicles passage says, turn from their wicked ways. This is the very description of repentance. Repentance means to turn around. I'm going towards something that's not healthy, that's not good for me, that's taking me away from Jesus. And the pastor is saying, turn from that and go towards Jesus. That's what repentance is all about, is to turn around from things that that are not good for us, to turn from your wicked ways. It's the very nature. And here's the deal. This is not a once and done thing. Sometimes we think in a Christian walk, well, I prayed that prayer. I'm all set. Look, we find ourselves going towards things we shouldn't go. Repentance should be a regular part of your walk with God. As God and the Holy Spirit reveals things to you, repent and turn back to God and just simply say, God, I'm sorry and I'm going to move towards you. I'm sorry that this has become a distraction, that this has become an idol in my life. What I want is more of you. Turn from your wicked ways. So as a matter of fact, confession, forgiveness, forgiveness, it's a healthy part of every relationship. It should be a part of your marriage. It should be part of your relationship with your kids where you're saying to your kids, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And they're saying, it's okay, I forgive you. It's a necessary part of every healthy relationship, including our relationship with God. So do the prayerful assessment, right? And turn from your wicked ways. And then the last in this formula is chase after it. What's the one thing you're hoping for in 2022? I hope... By now, you know that the right answer is more of Jesus. The question is, are you willing to chase after it? Are you willing to give something for it? Are you willing to let it go joyfully with great excitement? It's an invaluable treasure. The Second Chronicles passage says, if they would only seek my face, seek my presence, truly desire more of Jesus, then then, then I will show up strong and I will heal and I will bring wholeness and they'll experience the power of Jesus in their lives. Psalm 27, eight, speaking of God, he says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to the Lord, your face, Lord, do I seek. If this was our honest heart's response, God would show up. He promises to. Because he says in his word, if you seek me, if you earnestly seek me, you'll find me. The pastor says that if we resist the devil, the devil will flee from us. But if we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. How cool is that? If you make Jesus your number one priority, listen to this. If you make Jesus your number one priority, all of those other goals will be richer and more fulfilling, more satisfying, because you'll see them through the lens of all that Jesus is doing in your life. But if any of those goals, any of those desires are held higher than Jesus himself, they will all leave you empty and wanting. So we're doing this thing called the one word. Right, This is a, what they would call a word bubble. If you actually scan that QR code, you can put your own words in there, and this will keep changing. This is online somewhere. But these are actual words that people would sense have sent in. And here's what I would tell you. More of Jesus is a prerequisite for any of these words. If your word is trust, which someone in here is, actually the bigger the word, the more people have it. So many of you uh, have chosen trust. Look, If you don't have more of Jesus, you're not going to grow in your trust. If your word is peace, you're not going to have more peace if you don't have more Jesus. If it's commitment, you need more Jesus to understand commitment, surrender, consistency, devotion. Do you see that? All of them require more of Jesus. If you are going to live into and live out your one word, then the one thing you need most of all in 2022 is more of Jesus. I woke up this morning. This was the very first thought that came to me when I woke up pretty early this morning. The best thing, listen to me, the best thing, the best thing that you could ever hope for is totally within your grasp. Just let that sink in for a minute. The best thing that you could ever hope for is totally within your grasp. The kingdom of God is at hand. more of Jesus is right here, right now, waiting for each one of you. I want to close by just reading some passages over you. Think of it as a pastoral blessing. But these are some of the writers of scriptures thousands of years ago who got this. right. They understood it and then they wrote it in their poetry. Isaiah said, My soul yearns for you in the night. May my spirit within me earnestly seek you. Psalm 42 is a dear pants for flowing stream. So pants my soul for you oh God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Psalm 63, oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you. you Just bow your heads for a moment. Lord, would you make these our prayers? I pray that we would be a people that earnestly seek you, that our our primary goal for 2022 and 2023 and in the weeks and months and years ahead would be more of Jesus. Help us to be a people who can honestly hear your guidance, your rebuke when rebuke is necessary, that we would turn towards Jesus, that we would let go of anything that's taking us away from him. Lord, help me to say, I earnestly seek you. Help us to say, I earnestly seek you. Thank you that you you haven't left us to figure this out on our own, but you have given us the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move in a mighty way in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, there were some people that prayed for you before the service. And if I can find it real quick, I'll tell you what they said. This is what they heard the Spirit of God say, that there are some people who are just struggling with some deep discouragement. We would love to pray for you, uh, that there are some who are struggling with hopelessness, And they're in the face of a lot of loss and grief. We would love to pray for you as well. Uh, This morning in the first service, we heard that somebody suffering with some left knee issues. If that's you, we'd also love to pray for you. There's a number on your screen, actually a couple of them right here and here. You can call those numbers. Uh, Somebody will be with you, but there'll also be people down front here that would love to pray for you. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of grace. We'll see you next week as we start the journey through the minor prophets.